0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full turns at mintmobile.com.
1: Kia ora and welcome to season three of the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl. The show is out on Rugby Pass and Sky Sport breaking down the game as we go right throughout the season, giving you all of the technical insights, a few great yarns from what's going on inside the camps, and you know a good look at all of the players and how they're doing. Of course, the guys are joining me on the show. Coming out of Queenstown, we have Bryn Hall always in the good spots, James Parsons, of course, on the sunny North Shore. Uh, Bryn, let's start with you, mate. Welcome back, but how is Queenstown treating you before you know round one of Super Rugby?
2: Oh look, I won't lie. Um, we're at a we're at a really good spot uh, down here in Queenstown. So the Hilton's uh, been really great to us, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to have a few great swims in the lake just just down the road. So, but um, no, look, honestly, we're just happy to be able to to sort of be able to play. Obviously, with the COVID and Omicron and everything that that's involved, um, we're just fortunate enough to be able to be in a position where we can play rugby games. So um, we've been down here now, climatized for the last week, and got our last pre game against the Hurricanes boys and then you know we're playing them again this week and so um yeah we're really looking forward to it and I think more so for the competition to still be able to be playing um, under these trying circumstances with COVID still floating around.
1: Acclimatized what to the tees? I see a golf bag in the background.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the golf bag is out there um, but if like you can see behind me Ross um it's still closed haven't been able to actually open up the golf bag and been able to get on the courses so um, we've got our our inside backs, Mitchy drumming myself, going up against David Harville Will Jordan on Wednesday, hopefully, in um, the inaugural insides and outsides. So, um, Drummond and myself, we're down one, so hoping to bring one back in for the insides for moving forward.
1: Yeah, tough gig down there at the Hilton, <laughs> up at the Hilton in uh, in the North Shore. James Parsons, how have you been going, mate? How's the off season treated you?
3: Yeah, very well. Um, funny you should bring up golf. I've decided to pick up golf myself. I played when I was uh, a lot younger starting out my career, but then the old injuries uh, didn't allow me to play throughout the last probably eight years. So I've picked it back up over summer and joined Watamata Club just down in Devonport. So looking forward to having a swing with Bryn once he's uh, back up here in Auckland.
1: And, And the handicap, where did you leave it and where are you picking it up?
3: No, I probably left it around 16 and I don't have one at the moment, so I got, to, I think you got to play five full rounds as a Um and I've only yep. played two, so I've still got a few to go before I get the handicap.
1: Yeah, it, it actually gets worse from here. Like, the, the yep. first two rounds back are the good ones. <laughs> the next two of the shit ones, right?
3: The first round I shot 89 I was wrapped with that to break 90. So oh, um, You're a burglar, mate. That was, you're a burglar. That was happy days. Happy days. But there was a few like fluke 70 foot putts that I wouldn't know how to read a green. I just smacked it and it went in. So it was, it was a good day. <laughs> what are you playing off? Brent?
2: I'm planning off 11. I need it to go up for our, um, competition. Oh, Cause I'm not, play- here we go. I'm not playing like it. I haven't been able to play a lot um, in the last probably four or five months. So yeah, terrible. I'll take an 89 to be honest these, these days. So I'll take an 89.
1: Is drumming carrying
2: you, is he? i oh, he's been carrying me the last two years in our competition, if I'm being honest. I think I've been um, overawed by the occasion and the, the golf course and how great it's been. So, um, yeah, it's a big turnaround for me this year, hopefully, so he can, I can start carrying drumming. Um, I can have the ice on my shoulders, not his. It's, it's we...
3: probably the uh, Under Armour golf kit that he, he's got that probably just makes the difference,
2: mate. <laughs> oh, that's it, mate. That's it. He's um, That could be the difference. You know, yourself, another Under Armour man. I might need to go for the bandwagon. So, <laughs> Edit S, you know. Favor, you know right? Wait and see. Maybe, hopefully, Underarm might come my way.
1: <laughs> as many plugs as you like for the rest of the season. Oh, I won't, <laughs> won't,
2: won't be the
1: last. You know, I'm good. Won't be the last. Before we get into the season that's coming up, um, let's get into some off-season yarns, won't we? Surely, the two of you have got some absolute rippers from some dumb stuff slash fantastic stuff. They've happened either this off season or off-season's gone by. Jipper, what do you got for us?
3: Oh, I had a shocker one year. I think I was, um, I think I was captain of the Blues. Of the- I went over um, to Bali for for a, for a sort of New Year's summer holiday, um, and the the volcano um, you know, erupted. I was over there with Nick Mayhew and his partner as well, so uh, it was a real tough call for well for me. I had to ring as captain to. T and, and Nick had to do it, I think it was like his first or second year, so probably more awkward for him. Uh, but T was re- really good about it, um, and he, he just he just said, oh, we'll get back as soon as you can. And we ended up having to go um, up to Singapore and then back down um, to NZ that way. But we were there for an extra 10 days, so Ned and I were out there doing <laughs> broken broncos and all sorts on Seminyak <laughs> Beach, which looks ridiculous over there. Oh, uh, no, yeah. yeah t- two old dogs are out there doing doing the hard work but we were put to the test as soon as we arrived back for a for a fitness test but we did all right we didn't overindulge in those extra 10 days that's for sure i
1: was gonna say is there video evidence of this training
3: <laughs> no we, <had> <laughs> uh, we had to film our bronco so you could get the time and stuff but it was pretty hard on sand um no excuses though no excuses
1: <laughs> what about you brenny you got anything good for us
2: I'm actually going to probably go back a couple of years, and it's actually funny enough. It's actually in, in Bali as well. I think when I was uh, 22, 23, um, there's about eight of my mates we ran over to Bali and stayed in Kuta of all places, which um, was an experience in itself. And um, you know, you hear kind of rumors around their water system and not having the ice in your in your cups and that kind of stuff. And you know, being young and dumb, 22 year old, you know, you know, had a couple. Of, uh, Good nights out in, in, in Kuda and then the next morning, trying to have a drink of water, and left a few ice, cu- um, ice, 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 bit of ice cubes in there, and um, got a bit of a barley belly for the next couple of days. And all of us, all eight of us, were in an air conditioning um, room in Bali, Kuda And if you don't know Kuda it's not one of the greatest places to stay when um, you're in that kind of that kind of mindset, and even feeling like that. And for about two days, we were just all in in the same room, just in the same uh, department of just you know pretty much spewing up and um, going down. Taking um, turns in the toilet. So I um, came back and fortunately enough, like Jip, had to test well and um, got the job done. But I'll tell you what, for the first two days in in, um, in Bali, it was it was tough going for the for me and the lads. One toilet to share. How many well we just couldn't move Ross. Well there was there was, there was there was there was two bedrooms and there was four um yeah, four beds in each bedroom and yeah we pretty much just got to a stage where we just couldn't really move and so there's one tv that didn't work in our room and so then we kind of just ventured over to the other the other room and um it just went through there and then again it just everybody was going it was all it was all go so um thankfully we got tied as a group and as friends but i uh, can't say we'll be wanting to do that again uh anytime soon or even in the future to be honest
1: <laughs> well i suppose <laughs> carrying on from there the uh the tightness in the group is something you guys have to experience in the queenstown bubble what are the serious challenges that you face and not being in your normal environment and having to stay in a hotel for three weeks like that and not be able to go out and do things. And, you know, even if you're in the Hilton, you know, it's got to be a little bit challenging.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think, you know, ideally we'd love to be at home. I think, you know, if you think around the All Black Boys and their experiences of being overseas for a long period of time and then, you know, having to come back into the environment and then go away from their families again just after the New Year break. Um, it's always tough for that but um I guess for us it's just trying to keep that balance and you know we do pretty well when we go on tour around having a good balance and uh, not just having all rugby but then being able to you know, do other activities even though we can't do a lot going to restaurants cafes and that but um, our entertainment committee have been great around keeping a bit of ba- um a bit of variety and keeping our boys engaged around having a bit of fun as well. Because I think you know the trap you can fall into is that you you tend to do a lot more on field with the rugby and even um, with meetings and that. But I think for us, when we are on the field and then having the opportunity, to, even so, we can still connect um, because we are together. But I think for us, it's just being able to still have that fun and being able to get out and just trying to not get hotel cabin fever like um a lot of the All Blacks did in that back end of that um, in that rugby championship and um India tour.
1: Uh Jip for you and the Players Association, how difficult was this to help set up and get going, you know, to the point where, you know, it was a couple of weeks and, and the tournament had to change on its head?
3: Yeah, look, it moved pretty quickly. Um but uh, Cam Good and um, his team at NZR were, were exceptional in, in getting down there and doing the recis and I suppose getting the hotels ready, the training grounds, um, you know, a big challenge was um, gyms, um, being able to have separate gyms um, for the for the lads to go to and, and make sure that they could still um, get those trainings in, in in that sort of specific way that they would if they are at home. So look, there there were some challenges, but as I say, the, the NZR team um, put it together pretty quickly and by all accounts, speaking to a lot of the lads, um, you know, not only the Crusaders, but the other five teams are, are happy where they're based and, seem to be enjoying it as much as they can, but I uh, still get regular phone calls uh, for, for an early return date. So it's, um, it's certainly a balancing act between getting these games played and, and player welfare and their connection with their families back home.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty difficult. And, you know, even for the teams who, like Moana Pacifica, who are now going through this COVID scare and their families are all at home, I, I bet that keeps you fairly busy having to get through all of that stuff.
3: Yeah, look, work alongside Harley Topoli, who's head of Pacific Rugby Players Association. So, um, you know, we've, we've got a good connection in there, obviously, closely linked with Sukope, um, their skipper, um, and just making sure that, you know, they've got access to everything that they need and um, could possibly want it while they're locked down, and, and then making sure that we're keeping them up to date with information um, as it sort of changes, um, you know, potentially um, as we move forward, the government announcements could change, which changes the picture of how many days isolating they, they may need.
1: Mm. I suppose, ironically enough, it's as the numbers go up, the isolation days go down, so that it could actually do everyone a favour.
3: I would agree with that, Ross. I would agree as long <laughs> as everyone uh, has the mild, mild case of it, nothing severe. Yeah,
2: nice. Good save there, Japha. Good save. <laughs>
1: a politician um, okay, here, here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> let's get straight into it um yeah you know, obviously there's chat about who the tournament favorite is it starts this week you know we don't get the Blues one Pacifica game this week but there are two other games on the agenda the teams that are favorites for this tournament must be the teams that won last year and when you look on paper it, it seems to stack up the Crusaders and the Blues now Bryn, the crusader, uh, Jipper the former blue. I think there's probably a good chance to get into who you guys think the favourites are. And uh, Bryn, you are a master of handing on favouritism to somebody else, but that's going to be pretty difficult in this uh, particular deal. Uh, Where are you going?
2: Oh, I don't think that at all, Ross. I think, you know, the fact that um, the last game that was played Super Rugby, um, you know, the Blues were were champions and, you know, won that game against the Hollanders at Eden Park. And so, I think with the recruitment that they've, 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 they've done, um, you look at, there's been a lot of hype, but Jeff, I'd really be interested in with your hype 15, actually. Roger Tuivasa-Shek would probably be in that hype 15 as your second five, definitely. But um, I think, you know, probably it's going to be great to see Roger Tuivasa-Shek and how the Blues do use him. They've used him as um, a second five in the first preseason pre-season games. And, you know, the more time that he'll get, it'll be interesting to see how he goes in that position, especially with what 12 and what you need with decision-making and uh, that kind of moving from going league back into rugby, and then him how he goes with that. and then I think Luke Romano is a massive signing for for the Blues. Especially with Paddy Tuipulotu going away, and then Gerard Tuilomaera and going away as well. I think his ability to be able to um, make that as a strength with that line lineouts, and more so around defensively and lineouts as well. I know how big he was for us, um, the Crusaders, without being able to um, suss out plans, um, have preview and review around what that looks like, and um, and then just the whole team as well, the whole, the whole likes of, you know, Bodie's back there as well, who's coming back into 10, He was lifting there nicely, and um, they've just got depth in every single position, so, um, yes, you know, we have had success in the past, and um, we're looking to be able to hopefully uh, replicate that and continue to grow and get better at that, but look, I think the Blues, um, if you're going to look at one team this year, I think they'd be the favourites, for for sure.
1: Expertly done.
3: (laughs) Jepa? Uh, whether that puts them at favourites, I'm not too sure. Like, I'm obviously a little bit adverse to hyping up the Blues because throughout my whole career, whenever we got hyped up, we didn't quite deliver. So um, I might keep my powder dry. Uh, but you know, I think the Crusaders are an interesting place as well. Obviously, a lot of All Blacks coming back and um, what impact that will have. Uh, but they normally, you know, you can't read into pre-season too much. They normally come come out uh, swinging, and um, you know, obviously Richie's got a little bit of a break at the start, but once he's back, he'll be ready to sort of um, drive that team to, to the finals, no doubt. Um, but my little smoky favourite, personally, is the Chiefs. I, I think, um, you know, they've got uh, Guzzleback, Ritalik, they've got Kane, the All Black captain, they've got Luke Jacobson, they've got Brad Webber, um, they've got Anton Leonard Brown, um, you know, some some serious experienced campaigners, great leaders and guys that really know how to get the balance right for a group off the field so it um, comes on, on the field. I mean I think the the battle between Joshuani and, and Bryn Gatlin and Caleb Tras for that ten jersey um will, will be interesting once that's sort of decided and they move forward from there. Um how how maybe the fifteen role is looked at is, is one of them dropped to fifteen or you've got Sean Stevenson who's who's um you know, this could be the opportunity with Damien McKenzie away for him to set his um, you know, super rugby um, you know, former light and, and have a good, you know, long fist at that fifteen jersey and um, you know, Chase Tier is there as well. So there's a lot of competition, a lot of depth in that squad. Um, you know, we are really commended um, Clayton um, last year and, and the job he did. Uh, but I think he'll be better for that and the support he has with Gats um, there full time, as in senior Gats, that is. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, the way they've shown up pre-season, that they probably take the early um, favouritism going into this comp.
1: That's a great move, isn't it, Bryn? The way that they've done that to allow Clayton to continue on the way he was—he left off last year. It, it seems like a masterstroke from the Chiefs that could help put them in a position to carry on with that wonderful knowledge and behind him. Um, because they could have gone the other way. They could have easily gone the other way.
2: Yeah, look, I think the the success that yeah, that Clayton's had, um, you know, we talked about it before, um, previously last year, with the fact that his success with Bay planning and bringing that group in there and then you know, transitioning into Super Rugby and having a great campaign last year, um, considering, you know, where they were not winning a New Zealand game last the, the year before under Gats. But I think, you know, even the likes of having Gats in and around that environment is gonna be great for Clayton and and no doubt he's gonna be in and around in that environment, look, you know, overseeing and you know, obviously clayton and the coaching staff where they will have the run of the team but anytime you can have that kind of experience up top and you can kind of draw on if you need it in season um, it's going to be invaluable so for the chiefs if, if you are talking around the coaching staff um, it sets them up in a really good place and i've been really impressed with joshua in this preseason form um, even obviously with Wina Pacifica and then on the weekend. Um, if they can play around him very similar to Damien McKenzie. Um, obviously he's gonna have a battle with um, you know with Trask and Brin but from what I saw with him on him early on, him him being able to attack the line and being able to use his, his array of skills, whether it be footwork or going to going to the line, dummy in going through or then his distribution skills as well. So um, I know it's going to be a great battle between Brenna Traski and Joshua, but I've been really impressed with his movement from the Hollanders, um, which probably didn't work out for Best of Him with Mitchell Hunt being the the, the tenant there as well.
1: Who would you expect to start? Does Yoani get the start because he's a former All Black? <laughs>
2: Oh look, I don't think so. I think you know even Bryn the first two games that he started, he's actually started the game really nicely, and then it's probably opened up for Joshy um, in the second half with the work that gets and the, and the forwards and the backs have done in that first first stanza. So um, again, Bryn did really really well. I look, at, I remember when we played. That final against the Chiefs and he the Chiefs and he started at ten here tremendous game um, and you know I'm a massive advocate from being a teammate and his distribution and his game management is one of his biggest strengths with his goal kicking as well and then you've also got Joshuana who we've just who we've just talked about with his array of skills and what he brings to the team and so you know whether they have a um, they both have similar roles you look around like Josh could start and then Bryn could come on and be the finisher or could be around the other way you could get Bryn doing the game management at the start and then bringing Joshi Joshua on with the last 30 minutes when when they're tired, when the forwards are tired, and it's kind of a little bit more open. Or you can play Joshua on at fullback and have that double pivot role. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of movements around there where they could go. But um, I think you could go either way to be honest. But I'd you know just through form, I think you can go. Either, I'd go Josh.
3: I think on that, though, as well, Ross, is um, we saw last year with Damien moving to 10 and, and 15 and, and obviously changing up with Gats and, and Trasky a lot. Um, I don't think Clayton's afraid to rotate that position for the game plan, so the skill set that suits the team they're playing or the game plan. Like A lot of teams will settle on their 10 and they stick with it, but from what I sort of saw last year, I don't think they'll mind champs in their arm a couple of times, um, you know, two different styles. We know that. Brings that um, game manager and and we'll set the guys up around him, um, but also put the ball in the right parts of the field. And, and we know what Josh can do. He, he's very similar, I suppose, to Damien. He, he's got that running game. He's got that flat pass at the line, um, and and that sort of you know that that flair or, or something. You know, you never know what's going to happen. He, he's got that triple threat game. So I don't think it would be foreign to see them rotate a little bit in that in that position.
1: Hmm. And Brittany, you guys are going to have to rotate a little bit at 10 with no Moanga around at the start. Um, how are you guys coping with that?
2: No, I, I think both of our 10s have been great. And I think, look, Ferg's been in and around the environment now for three years and has been under Richie and learning off him for for a couple of years and then been able to have a full minor 10 Cup Bunnings NPC last year to get under his belt and lead that Canterbury team. Um, set it up, set him up really nicely in this preseason. And I think, even with the likes of bringing in Simon Hickey, who's an experienced campaigner and um, has been in, he's played in different environments in different countries and then coming back to New Zealand in full circle, his experience has been great. And so, uh, very similar to, to what you said around the tens of the Chiefs, I think you know, Ferg has been here and knows what it's all about. And then, you know, Simon gets to come and learn a little bit off Ferg around what our structures are and what it is, what we're trying to achieve. But then at the same time, um, you know, Simon's experienced enough that given the opportunity when he does get it, um, I'll have no doubt in my mind that um, he'll be able to lead us around if given the opportunity as well.
1: And the pickup of the year, of course, was Pablo Matera outside of Roger tuivasa Uh How's, what's it been like having him in camp?
2: He's been, great. Um, he's been great. He's been great. He's come in really, really nicely, and um, he's actually moved into Fendleton. Obviously, they brought him in Christchurch when we were there. Um, a great spot in Christchurch, so he's got a lovely little family that he's brought in, and um, there's actually a great Argentinian contingency down in Christchurch, so he's felt right at home, and then on the field, he's um, he's a guy that's at 100% uh, all the time, so whether that be in context, walkthrough, you can just see the fire in his eyes, and he wants to hit somebody, so that kind of physicality element um, is going to be really massive for us this year. And I think Pablo brings that in spades. And the fact that um, with Ethan Blackhead being out injured in the first part of the year, um, having a guy like that, you can just slip in not only the physicality, but you know he can kick, he can run, he can pass. He's got those all that flair that um, those Argentinian teams have, uh, players have. So um, I've been really, really impressed with him. And you know looking forward to seeing how he goes in the first couple of rounds in, in Super Rugby Pacific.
1: Jipper loves to hear that he's an animal at training.
3: No, it just made me think of a lot of guys that we used to nickname Test Match because there was never a, <laughs> there was never a moment at training where they wouldn't go at a hundy. Um And it sounds like he might be of, uh, of that vintage. <laughs> oh, mate, honestly, was...
2: Jip, if you're, if you're having a contact session, you know, you little primers in there, yeah, there's one guy you want to try to stay away from because he only knows one way, and that's 100%. I think I actually copped a, a nice little shoulder. We did a, a little bit of wrestling and um, was on top of him, and, you know, trying to hold on. And the, the the drill was to be able to get him. You have to brawl on your front, off your back. And Pablo Matera has just absolutely got me off, and I've just flown up in the air, and he's just stood right back up in the first five seconds. And I'm just like, rightio, that's me. Uh, Pablo, you go jump in yeah. with Joe Moody, mate. Thanks. Yeah.
3: <laughs> that would be a good wrestle. I'm It would be.
2: Yeah, it would be. He doesn't need me on there, man. I'm just a little pipsqueak for Pablo. No, so. nah, that was a
3: poor he's example. Been... He probably wanted you to say that he threw Sam Whitelock or someone in the air and Pat bounced up. Using you, <laughs> not so good. Yeah, <laughs> nice.
1: Who'll be riding to Adi Savia to ask to join the club?
2: <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, yeah. I've already got nightmares about Adi. So, yeah, just <laughs> add a, The loose fortress, just keep adding them on my list. Thankfully, he's
3: on my, <laughs> <Thankfully, they're laughs> my team
1: who was called test match in the blues with you guys
3: Oh, well, there are a number of people I can't throw stones like I, well, I wasn't really switched off um too many <laughs> training so, so I might have had it at so, when I was a bit younger I think Puriwepu called me test match early on in my days so then I got <laughs> old and injured um but Hami Fiver who's now in the Italian squad um he, he when he came to the blues he's a hooker from Waikato and my gosh um, he, he definitely went after the number two jersey every week. There, there's no doubting that.
1: <laughs> is that why you started wearing the the, the head cap? You just copping too much from the. No.
3: Nah. mate. There's this. You know what the pink bib is? I just spent my time with the physio room, just going, "Can I just get the pink bib for bloody walk through, just so he doesn't <laughs> take my head off."
1: <laughs> Fair enough. But Bryn is a fan of that bib too. Now that he's a vet.
3: Oh, mate.
2: Crucial. <laughs> crucial. It is, mate. It's crucial.
1: The other person who's come to join the Crusaders this year is Triple T. Um, you know, that means that you guys have got three really strong quality halfbacks. Um, what's he brought to the table since he's been in the squad?
2: Oh, Tripp's, Tripp's been awesome. And I think more so for me, I've got to spend a lot of time with him and um, in the Moldy camp. And he's just really cheeky and brings a, um, a great enthusiasm. and something different, you know, for our group, especially culturally around with... Um, his Moldy heritage and you know that moldy kind of manner that he brings on about him has been great for our environment. It's around around leading that and you know whether that be the moldy word of the day coming in and uh, presenting that to us in a in a funny way or at the same time can then be able to be a little bit more serious around our haka and what what the meanings are behind that and um, and then also on the field as well. Um, like you said, like you said, Ross, we've got we're we fortunate down south here that we've got three great nines um, that are battling it out and so we all have different strengths and different experiences and so I guess for us um, trips brought something different and for us that Drummy and I have been able to learn off and then at the same time we've been able to um, give a few things to Trip that he's asked us as well and so um, I think that's the best thing about, about our group especially in the halfbacks even when Eddie was here as well um, yes we are competitors and we want to compete against each other but um, anytime we can try and try to connect and be able to involve our game as a three, as a unit, um, it's only going to benefit our group moving forward. And then I think for us as a group as well, we pride ourselves on, on trying to be the best in the country, um, having the three best nines in the country.
1: Absolutely, and for our international viewers who don't know Triple T's, it's Te Toiroa Tahurirangi, the former All Blacks halfback who's come from the Chiefs down to the Crusaders. Let's talk a little bit about the Australian teams. Now, I know, Jipper, you love to pump an Australian team up. Do you see any of them who you think are a real competitor against the Chiefs, the Blues, the Crusaders, the people that we think could be the strong teams in this competition?
3: Look, I think there's, on paper, there's three teams that that stick out, obviously. You've got the Reds and the Brumbies, but... I think the Waratahs come back into the, the mix this year. You know, they got Ned Hannigan back, um, Hoops back. Uh, Will Harrison as well, he, he started coming to his own at 10 there um, towards the end. Um, you know, we've spoken about Fouketi and uh, Parisi at, at, in, in that midfield. So there's a lot to like in their back three. There's a lot to like in um, their back row. But where um, I think they really need to knuckle down and nail it is, is they used to be, um, you know, such a hard team to win lineout ball against. They, that was they were so good defensively. So if they that type five can knuckle down and provide a bit of a platform, there's enough there for them to to be really exciting um, going into this comp and certainly ones to be wary of. Um, and and the same um, goes for the Brumbies and the Reds. Um, you know we know what to expect from them. Um, we know it's always going to be high quality and understanding that a lot of players out of those two squads have got international um experience now. So they would have brought that back and that will filter through that squad. So they'll be they'll be better again at this level. So so I, I think we can expect um, them to lift. Um and I'm kind of excited um, about the the Jura as well. Obviously beating the Rebels on the weekend preseason and um, you know, again probably set pieces where they need to make sure that they really nail because we know that they've got the attacking flair and they've got the physicality defensively. It's just remaining in those systems for long periods of time, which will be key. And Obviously, not being on defence, um, you know, having the ball is is key because if you're on defence, so so many phases it ties you out the back end, and that's when teams can normally run away with it.
1: Mm. And it doesn't really matter what competition you look at. When there's an expansion team, you generally find that they have a pretty tough start. But in the case of the Drua. They have been there a little bit before. They're not a brand new team. They've been involved in other competitions, Bryn. Do you think that's going to hold them in fairly good stead to maybe get a few upsets along the way?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think you know the thing was the NRC. They had a, a Fijian team that was in that competition. But correct me if I'm wrong, Ross. It, it could have been. Um, so they have obviously had experience playing in an Australian um, competition. And so I think for the fact that they do get to start in the Australian competition, um, that's you know no disrespect to the to the Australian um, conference. But um, you know them being able to be in that that conference has been able to uh, put in some good performance to be able to then. Like you said, have wins against the, the rebels like they did in preseason. Preseason is obviously different, and in season is going to be um, the intensity, match intensity is going to be a lot more um, physical and, and different. But um, look, I think with Mick Byrne, we talked about it last year around um, what he brings in. And, um, you know, you've got the Fijian flair, and you know they'll be able to bring that um, consistently. But you know, winning their set piece and being able to be dominant around their set piece is going to be massive for them and, and getting that right. But then I think you know having the likes of Mick Byrne, who um, is an astute rugby player and an astute mind. Um, it's going to be great for them moving forward. So I think for them, it's just going to be able to be consistent and being able to do that week in, week in and week out. And um, again, it's probably, you know, you look at the, probably the first couple of weeks of the competition, they'll be high and buoyed by being in the comp. But then, you know, at the back end, when you might have having, be having a few injuries and then being able to have, you know, maybe a couple of losses, how do you then get back to zero, reset, and then being able to consistently keep performing and getting those wins, um, not just being a one-off?
1: So on the table, Jipper, what's a success story for them?
3: Um, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Like I don't want to downplay them. I, I think the key is what Bryn said is that squad depth. Um, every squad will start off with a hiss and a roar, but as we've seen in previous seasons, the, the team that can manage their squad the best um, will will probably, you know, end up the winner. Um, And it's more about that depth when they get slipped in there. You don't actually know that there's been too many changes. And, and, you know, I'm not afraid to say that the Crusaders have probably been the best at executing that over the last three or four years um, in terms of rotating their squad and and making sure guys are peaking at the right time. Um, So I I think a success for them um, would be, you know, potentially just outside the eight. Um, Outstanding would be making the eight. I think that would be um, a huge success, and knowing Mick, um, he'll be talking about making the eight. He'll be really focused in on that, um, and, and I think because he's such um, an astute coach and he's really um, skill specific, that that'll hopefully make them make really good decisions when um, you know they're out there in the, in the field of play and, and not throwing too many fifty fifties. You know, making sure that. The, the passes are on or the, or the rush out of the D-line is on um, and, and it's clinical. It's a clinical decision. Mm.
1: What about for Moana Pacifica? Because they've got that little bit more trouble in that they're a brand new team and they're suddenly struggling with these COVID difficulties. What success for them this year, Brent?
2: Um, it's, it's a tough one, just the fact that they're in, look, the, the New Zealand conference
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: and um the fact that you know being in the new zealand conference it's probably going to be it's going to be tough for them and probably i'll probably say the first first month it's going to be a really good learning um, a lot of learnings for them moving forward and even scopi talked around it after that first game against them um Against the Chiefs, the learnings that they're going to get, um, you know, from playing these kind of intensity games against New Zealand, New Zealand players, and so, you know, they've got a lot of young guys in, in their in their environment. You look, you look at the contingencies around like um, the the Magpies with Eddie and Nardi, um, McClutchie, and then even the likes of the Tasman Boys that are in there as well. So, I think for them, it's been able to get an identity of what their what their play is going to be like, and being really disciplined around what that's going to look like, and just taking the learnings from that. So. Um, I think early on it's going to be hard for them to be able to um, see what that's going to look like. But I think, again, seeing it as two blocks, I reckon, that's how I probably describe it. The first block, they're playing the New Zealand teams and being able to get a DNA of what that's going to look like for them throughout the season and being able to make the learnings along the way. And then when they do to start to play the Australian teams or the Fijian Drua in the second part of the cup, hopefully, um, then they might have their DNA set in structures and then being able to obviously depend on Hopefully, they don't have a lot of injuries then playing that second part of the, the competition and see if they can get a couple of sculps at the back end of the competition.
1: You agree there, Jip?
3: Well, I've, first off, I just want to make sure that people aren't uh, stressing out at home that there's no conference system. It's one table. It's just because of COVID, it feels that way because we're loading all, mm-hmm. um, I suppose the local derbies early. Um, so there's still one table, nothing's changed there. Um, but with MP, I think the key will be like, I was, you know, pretty impressed, especially early on against the Chiefs, their defensive efforts, their line speed, um, Levi Amur in that centre was really putting some pressure on and forcing the Chiefs back infield into, uh, I suppose, that Moana Pacifica, you know, defensive traffic. Um, so it's sustaining that. But the, the problem was in that game is they were just on defence for too too long. And, and that was due to not being able to, I suppose, secure that ball at set piece and, and that breakdown. So if they can nail that set piece in that breakdown area and to get a better balance between attack and defence and not um, having to always be on the back foot, because defence does sap you a little bit more than attack, um, I, I think they, they'll be a bigger threat than um, people probably expect. And the one thing I like about uh, when you're in a, when you're a team and you're in a position of um, uh, Moana Pacifica and people are probably not expecting much, you've got nothing to lose. And I just think that's such a dangerous mindset to have um, when you come up against it, and you're expected to win.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, eight of the twelve teams make it, so you know there is a chance to slip into that playoffs. Even if you are one of these expansion teams, you, there is a chance there of being such a well large um, percentage getting in there, Brent. Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, sorry. You go. Bryn. Oh, well, whoever. You get on. Jiffin, go, Jeff. You Jiffin, no, Jiffin, no, go, jump. Get in there. Uh, no, because yeah. it's a little bit of a. a, a Passion for me is because, like, as a fan now, your team's in the hunt for the whole season. Like, if it if it's a top four, you you know, man, if you don't get off to a good start, you're 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 in struggle street. You're probably not in in the mixer. And and I think the biggest um, key to remember is we're trying to keep people engaged in our game and and you know a part of it and and you know make it feel like um, you know something to be passionate about. And if if your team falls. A, off to a bad start as sometimes it has if, if you don't have that preseason form, um, and then they come hot towards the end. It doesn't really matter. But whereas this stage, if if you can, I suppose um, build like if we use the Highlanders for example in twenty fifteen, um, you know they hit a hot streak at the most important. Probably didn't start that well, but they they came home with a with a with a strong um, finish and eventually won it. Um, and, and that's what I like about the eight twelve year. I know it's a big percentage, sixty six percent or. Um, 66.666 or whatever it is reoccurring Um, but I I think it is um, it's exciting for that sense for the fan and it's also really engaging for the players to feel that sniff and and as we've seen in NRL eight can tip up one Uh, it can happen Um, and then it really uh, puts a bit of spice in the mixer
1: (laughs) NRL number one for the season (laughs) we've got our first (laughs) mention mention—a good one but it's I mean it's a fair point really isn't it Bryn like you've got to make sure that these teams have got something to play for. Um, Otherwise it just falls away by the wayside. And you look at the American sports, it's one of the things that they do so well with wildcard races and things like that.
2: Yeah, it does, and I think it's great for the for the fans as well. You know, like you said, I think, you know, in the top four, kind of, if you're having that top four, the, the margin of error is, is so small, and if you get it wrong, then, you know, it ends up being a long season, and then your fans aren't engaged because you can't make the top four. But having that top eight out of the 12, um, it keeps fans being able to have them be engaged and say that our team does have a chance. And I think Jip brings up a really good point around that Highlanders team and getting the, right, the form at the right end of the year. You know, I remember, you know, if you even finished number one and number two or something like that, you end up seeing it seventh and eighth, and they've gone on a win streak of four or five, and you're thinking, "Oof, we played them earlier in the year, and we were convincing against them, but in the back end of the year, when you know there might be a few injuries here and there on on our part or whoever it might be." and then you've got the opportunity to play that team who have, who have played really well for a five, um, five-match five span, it ends up being a, a doozy of a game, and you get you're given that opportunity to play. Whereas that top four, there, there's too much ground to make up, and you don't get the opportunity to play, even if you have won four or five games in a row, but just for the fact that it's too tight and you've missed your opportunity with your slow start of the, start of the season.
1: Okay, let's put our money where our mouths are. Um, top eight predictions. Bryn, you go first, mate. How do you see this panning out? <laughs>
2: I don't want to go first. I don't want to go first. Um, I'm going to go. <clears throat> I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it. I'll call all the New Zealand teams, Bar, bar Mwana Pacifica. So I'm going to go five five New Zealand teams and then two Australian teams, definitely. And then there might be a little bit of wiggle room. I'm not, sorry, the Fiji and Drua are part of the Australian conference, aren't they? So I think it's going to be three Australian no conferences,
3: teams. mate. <laughs> Don't what it's like that's how.
2: because anyway, we are uh, we're playing the Aotearoa for teams to start with. Obviously, it is the Pacific, like you said, Jip. But that's how I'm seeing it. So, but I think five New Zealand teams and and three Australian teams will be the will be the makeup. And who are those three what, Aussie what, teams? What three? What three? I'm gonna go Rebel. I sorry, not Rebels. Um, I'm gonna go Reds, Brumbies, and then there might be either the Drua or the Waratahs finishing their eighth spot
1: fair play
3: well no particular order I think it'll be the Tars uh, Brumbies Reds um, and Blues Crusaders Chiefs Hurricanes Hollanders I know that sounds brutal but um, I think that's that's the reality of where it's at um, and the Jura maybe MP if they can you know as I said you know find that set piece success they could slip in there but um, yeah, I, I, think those three Aussie teams are, will be a force this year. I the squad depth I've got and personnel, I think it's going to be exciting going into that final series.
2: I think also, also as well, Chip, I think also as well, the fact that the Australian teams actually got a taste of playing the New Zealand teams last year. And I think the learnings that they'll be able to take from those experiences of being able to play us and understanding what our game plan is. And same as for us as well. You know, we went from Super Rugby Aotearoa, they had, um, Super Rugby AU just playing in their conference. Uh, but then having that ability to play us last year and get the learnings of what that looked like for us. For us, we had some great learnings of playing a different style of rugby that the Australians do play to New Zealanders, and um, we found ourselves having to defend it or attack it a lot differently. So I think the experience of the Australian teams have had that to play against us, and then you also talk around the Wallabies, being able to play the All Blacks and you know four Test matches as well. Um, I just think it's going to get, marry them up a little bit better when playing New Zealand teams compared to last year.
3: The dave Rennie effect as well, that'll filter down. Yeah. Like There's a lot of confidence in that Wallaby squad now, especially the way they performed in that rugby championship. Uh, there'll be a lot of belief over there. There'll be a lot of backs against the wall, nothing to lose. Um, and, and we know that the attitude and um, I suppose the conviction um, Australians have and belief in themselves um, is, is going to be huge. And I think they're starting to get that back in spades.
1: We're gonna have a quick fire round later on towards the end of the show but let's have a chat maybe some predictions for players who is going to be the super rugby player of the year this year jipper i mean it's been richie maunger for years now is it someone else this time around
3: yeah look i think if it's um if the chiefs are to win it i think um joshuani would play a big factor in that so i think you, know, you spoke about Richie, and I think any team that win it, wins it, normally the 10 um, will be playing out of their skin. But for me personally, I think Luke Romano, player of the year at the end of the year, and, and the Blues are uh, doing all right. I won't say win it, I'm just saying that I think he's <laughs> going to be a big, big factor for the Blues. Did, did he bring you out <clears> a <throat> boar
1: up from a shooting expedition somewhere or something and, uh, and bring it to your house? What, how did this end up coming to be?
3: No, I don't know. I just think he's just such an asset, man. Like he is so good at that NPC. Like he was player, of the, uh, well, he's nominated for player of the year. Um, probably could have got it. Um, he he's just, man. He and he's tough to tackle. He will move bodies. He'll go all day, and he just he he brings a hard edge to that type five, and, and that really excites me.
1: I suppose that kind of speaks to the fact that the player of the year, isn't necessarily the superstar of the year, right? The impact you can have on a rugby game is more than just, you know, the impact that you have on the young kids who are watching it. Brent.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it does. And look, if we if we use Luke Romano as an example, you know, like Centurion Crusader had given so much to us and probably didn't play a lot in the last, Couple of years of, of his career down there just due to the fact of, of our depth, but you know, he can go to into another environment now. And with the likes of um, Paddy and Epper and a um, few of those locks going away, he can be um, you yeah, know, he can go right into that team and be able to not only offer so much off the field, but going onto the field and being able to experience give his big, big game experience to that young locking group, and then even more so to their group that's already played really well in the last you know 12 to 24 months. So um, but I think for me as well, I've had a couple, another guys that I've had a lot, of, you know, obviously talked to him, Richie Moana, who's won of the last couple of years, who is always hard to beat at Super Rugby. I've got Will Jordan, who was great in the All Black environment, and you know plays fullback for us, and has always been consistent around um, Super Rugby. And then you can't look past Ari and Jordy for the for the Hurricanes, who um, are massive cogs in their wheel when um, when they're back. And even the likes of TJ Perinara, unfortunately, he's got a bit of an injury, but um, he's always a focal point in that group. And then. I've also got Aaron Smith for the for the Highlanders, and then actually Mitchell Hunt as well. I think the fact that he did one out in that, that competition battle with Joshuaani, uh, it's his baby now. It's his ship that's going to be said with with Nuggy as well, and obviously with Falau there as well. With him being able to play more games and be more, have more chances to influence the the Highlanders brand and the Highlanders game, knowing that um, he's the tenor of, of, of that club. So who is it, mate? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Oh, actually, I'm, for, I'm actually going to go for one of your guys, Jip Dalton Papali'i as well. Actually, I might go Dalton Papali'i just for the fact of close. him being, being captain, being being captain as well of, of the of the Blues, and had such a great year last year. And the fact that you know it was probably the incumbent seven on that tour with the fact of how well he played in the Rugby Championship and um, the European the um, Year Tour. So, um, Dalton Papali'i, yeah, is one guy that I'd probably say as well. He'd probably be my man if the Blues go well.
1: Hmm. That, that was a really impressive decision by the Blues for me. You know, I've spent a little bit of time with Dalton and he's such an impressive young guy. Like, Obviously highly determined, quite straightforward, but incredibly nice and relatable at the same time. Incredible rugby player, um, Jipper. What's your experience been with Dalton inside camp? What he's like within a group of players at the Blues?
3: Yeah, look, Dalton's captain teams his whole way throughout his career. And I think when he signed to the Blues, there was an expectation that he would be captain one day, um, and and he's he's earned the right to be there. Um, he's certainly a great choice while Patty is away. Um, I, I think what he gets right is, man, you talk about Hundy at training. He is a Hundy, full of energy into everything, and he's an actions-driven leader. Um, but he has the ability to to give a hard message as well. And then when he, as soon as he comes off that training field or the playing field, he is he's one of the lads, and and he gets that balance right. He he knows. to interact with guys older than him younger than him management um you know front office staff he he's involved and and connects with everyone so i think he's a great fit um and i i do think though the one thing the blues have got um right over the last few years is spreading that responsibility on game day um letting dalton play and the game drivers really you know making sure that they're across how they're going to play and what game plan and what happens you know around penalties and stuff and making sure that it's you know three or four uh, players across um across the game because i think that's the key is, is not overwhelming any one individual is getting that balance throughout that leadership group
1: mm. well, hopefully you can do it well for them i'm looking for a, a second title and probably you know the the, the real title is probably the thing you want to call it you know you've got to beat everyone to settle take down, that, that rocks, real title, settle eh?
3: down, <laughs> settle
1: down. a real title that's on the line at the moment is the Six Nations and can anyone stop France that was pretty impressive on the weekend Bryn anyone getting in the way of them
2: oh it was it was a great it was a great game I think um yeah, I'll probably look at that first half and probably a bit of news I think on both parties I think there were a few mistakes probably early on in that, in that first 40 and then probably it really opened up in the second 40 around, um, you know, what we're used to seeing and um, especially with that French flair, you know, you even look at the first part of that, you know, the first minute of that game, you know, that likes to inter and DuPont in and around, that's all they need, that one moment to be able to score a try and then, you know, in the sixth minute, you know, they score a try, Ireland score a try off the kick-off and, um, you know, that kind of set the tone for the game and then, you know, the second half, I thought it really opened up around uh, both teams trying to play and then there wasn't a lot, between them, to be honest. I don't think, Jip, you might think a little bit different, but I thought there wasn't a lot between them, and it was only probably you know, a bit of discipline in the end where they were able to get over the line with France. So, um, you know, they probably do have one more stern test with with England, and then we, we, you probably look at that Scotland-Wales game. You know, probably Scotland's probably filthy around that game not getting that win because I thought, you know, they were tremendous, and they gave a lot, and no doubt we'll go into more, a, little more, a little bit more depth around that Scotland-Wales game. But, um, you know, France, mate, they are looking impressive. We talked around them last year. Been one of the form teams in, in, in world rugby and at, at the international level. And um, they've had a great start with going 2-0 in the Six Nations.
3: Yeah, look, I, I agree there was nothing between them, but they certainly had different tactics. And I think Ireland will be kicking themselves around that 72nd minute. When they opted for the three at 27-21 20, uh, and all game, um, similar to when they played the All Blacks, they kicked the corner and they got rewarded. Every time they went to the corner, they scored, you know, five or seven points if converted. And I I thought that they just lost their nerve at at a key time of, you know, eight minutes ago, kick to the corner, 28, 27. um, The pressure goes back on on the French and then the French were just smart with their scoreboard pressure. They opted for the three, they took the three every time. Um, So I think discipline against the French is going to be key if if you want to um, tip them up, but I still think it's an open race we saw the French, you know, they were off for a hiss and rule last year and ended up losing it just through that inconsistency. So I think it'll show a lot of growth in them to go, um, you know, unbeaten and, and take this title. But I think that's what it will take. They'll have to go unbeaten, and they've got some tough challenges. You know, I think we saw some growth um, and something to be excited about in the English um, game against Italy, especially from their click plays, their turnover ball, but more importantly their defence, keeping them to nil and and don't let the score sort of detract away from um, that. That was a big defensive effort because Italy had a lot of ball had, had a lot of opportunities in their red zone and they didn't quite take them. Um, so I, I think that English game, and I do think the Welsh as well, uh, maybe have a soft spot for me, me old mate Wayne Pivac, but I think they um, orchestrated that win um, really well on the weekend and, and it was tit for tat in that game. Um, but I think they were the better side um, on the night and they were they were just more of a percentage playing side with the ability to pull the flair out, whereas the Scots really tried to play. And that's their style. And and look, I've got I've got no problem with that. They've got the hard edge more, but they've also got that flair with Finn Russell there. And, and they probably just didn't quite get their balance right, which created opportunities um, for the Welsh to come back after such a hot start.
2: Just on that game Wales and Scotland, um, did you feel that in that first and second half, I look at that first half. And the ball and play and the level of high face counts from both teams, the enterprise spear, wanting to play attacking rugby, honestly, after that first 40 minutes, I thought, like, what a, what a spectacle, what a game, considering both teams are running the ball and playing with the ball with a lot of air. Um, and then I also thought Bigger's calls around has been able to take those line-out options as well and going for the corner. You know, you look at that 31st minute, you know, they chucked it in the corner where they had it easily, could have got that three points. But again, shows that kind of um, that wanting to score try mindset in that first half, which I thought was a really big call. And then in that second half, I don't know if you found that it was a lot more kicking and a lot more um, real tight and defensive battle and breakdown and being able to build pressure through that way. And I thought, you know, Wales probably did that just a little bit better in Scotland. You know, even obviously, Finn Russell gets sent off, which isn't great in the, in the dying moments, but in the battle of the 67th minute. But did you find it was a little bit different, a game of two halves?
3: Yeah, well, look, I think the point you made about that first 40 being electric and, and full of energy, it's toll on both mm. sides, to be honest, and they had to adjust tactics, and um, they did so. And, and as I said, I just think the Welsh played the percentages a little bit better. Um, and I think the yellow card was a big factor. Man, you lose your 10 um, for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter how good you are as a team. It, it'll it'll put the pressure on. and Probably the winning and losing, but I think that'd be unfair on the Welsh to say that. I, th- I think they orchestrated that game really well. Um, and I, I agree with you. Um, some of the decision-making um, by Bigger to go to the corner was, was huge and, and when to take the points. Um, and, and that's what I sort of mentioned with the Irish. I think they just lost their nerve. and something that's worked so well for them. Um, you know, obviously against the, the Southern Hemisphere sides, but uh, now the Northern Hemisphere.
1: Johnny Sexton being out of the team, massive thing for them. I mean, in the long run, they need to make sure they got someone who's there if he's not.
3: Yeah, look, for Johnny, I think he was a big big holder fill because he, he just has that ability to know uh, when to put the ball in behind, where he gives Jamison gives him confidence to, um, you know, topple that box kick into the corner like he did against the All Blacks. So um, I, I think he was a, a a big missing piece, but I thought Carberry went really well, and maybe um, Jamo could have taken the pressure off him by kicking a little bit more for that territory-based game um, that that Johnny normally takes over for.
2: Because mm-hmm. I actually thought as well, um, the the Irish kicking game was really really good. I think the contestables off Jammo, they were getting some really good pay in that first half, being able to get the ball back and then being able to get that click attack and being able to play on top of teams. And then I think as well the, the kicking off ten, they got a lot of pay out of that. So I think um, you know, probably moving forward if that's something they wanted to bring into the game, because they were getting a lot of pay out of that kicking game as well, Jip. I don't know if you saw that as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, look, they kicked a lot of contestables in, in between the forties, which I think was was great, and they got a lot of ball back. Um, I just think at times they've gone for the corner and and played that mentality of just trapping. You know, I keep referring to the All Blacks, but it's obviously the one that we're so interested in. Is they just trapped them down there? You know, Johnny and Jemmo that day just put the ball back and behind them in and out. And I think a couple of times, not always going. They obviously went in for a game plan of contestables, which is great, and they got reward for it. But just getting that balance of that territory um, based stuff could have been, um, you know, the the I suppose, the winning of it for them by, by trapping the French down in their half.
1: What was the performance of the weekend from the Six Nations players for you, Jibber?
3: Tag Furlong. I honestly reckon he is just in the form of his life. Some of the balls he is giving out the back, I think it was about 51st minute. He just pop. he's square. He's looking down the field, his hips are square and he's no looking it out the back. Just straight to the, the, the pivots hands. And and they attack and they break um, from from that ball. He did it a number of times, but I think around that fifty-first minute that they broke up the middle through him doing that and, and providing space for others. And he does his set piece stuff so well. But some of his skill set from um, you know the performances on the end of your tour or our end of your tour, um, he was he was massive, and he's just continued that on. He's just honestly one of the best players in the world at the moment.
2: Yeah, I had, um, I had a couple of plays as well. I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Joe, because I also had Porter as well. You know, the, the, the ability that those two props have, it seems like that's the way of the game that's going to go now. They're athletic, they're powerful, they're fast, and their skill set is is unbelievable. And so I think those two working in tandem were great. And I think even in that 44th minute, Porter gets that steal to then be able to give that try for um, who scored at the, the 7. He ended up scoring it for the shift drive on the 44th minute. Um I can't remember what his name is, but through Porter's ability to be able to jackal, and that seems to be the case with um, a lot of these props in world rugby. Now we talk around the um, you know off and the South Africans and Marks and the tight forwards being able to steal the ball. I think Furlong and Porter, you know, a one one-two punch, one of the best in the world. And then I also had Villiers, the the winger for um, for France. I don't know if I don't know if these stats were right, but it says that he had six turnovers in the game on the weekend, and so. You know, you look around, we probably look at his stats around, um, probably didn't have a lot of high carry minutes, but every time he does get the ball, he's over that advantage line every single time. And then defensively as well, makes great defensive reads. Read, and his, his collisions and his, his ability to be able to win contact through his tackling is um, was great on the weekend. And so, um, you know, there's probably Porter and obviously the Frenchman as well, Valier as well, with my guys.
3: Just on that, I think a lot of his turnovers came from counter-racking the wide rucks. And if Mm. you watch Jamison Gibson-Parks try, the French, I think, have got to get that balance right between over-committing, because three guys in that Mm. ruck, it forced the French rock or the the tight defender right by the ruck to rush out, and that gave Jamo the space to go through and score. So the balance between counter-rucking, you know, counter-rucking wide rucks is normally safe, but when you're committing three men in the middle of the field uh, with guys as nifty as Jamo is, um, you know, it's probably a poor decision um, by, by those players so I, I think the french have just got to be wary they had a lot of reward out of doing it i know that but it also cost them seven points at quite a crucial time
1: awesome okay here we go the quick fire round to finish us off because you know people have asked us to stop waffling on and on and on and on and all of our answers so the quick fire round first up start with you brin which uncapped player we picked for the All Blacks and the Wallabies this season out of Super Rugby.
2: Oh jeez. Unkept. This isn't is Falao Facetava able? Falau, 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 <laughs> Falau Fakatava? Is he is yep. he is he able, Jip? Yep. Yep, I'll go Falao and I don't know Australia.
3: Okay, well, I'll give two for Aussie then. I think Michael Wells, the skipper of the Rebels, he was brought in but didn't get capped last year. Um, Will Harrison, 10, uh, the Waratahs. I think he might get a lick if he can get on the back of that Ford pack. And then I'm going to go two uh, because I, I just couldn't split it in NZ and I've got Steven Petraffeta off the back of his NPC um, award and I think he's going to get some good minutes at 15 and with Damien in Japan, uh, he's a big chance because he can cover that 10, 15 axis the same. Um, and then you'd have to think, um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek will will factor at some stage.
1: Okay, from that then, Rookie of the Year, Roger Tuivasa-Shek.
2: <laughs> Brun Pablo Matera. Pablo Matera.
1: <laughs> he says so. he gets cleaned out unless it rucks.
3: <laughs> and for you, Utopa, Tom Parsons at the Hurricanes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just on that. I just want to. On a side note, other than Pablo Matera, I've actually got Cortez Ratima as well for rookie watch out. He's a halfback in the Chiefs. Nice,
1: nice, that's nice, nice. I'll say one
3: again, Tom Parsons. (laughs) (laughs) You're the big fella up there.
1: (laughs) There's some more bears coming your way. Uh, There's payment going on for all of these appearances. It's not just Under Armour, it's everybody else too. Top try scorer, (laughs) Bryn. Will Jordan. Caleb Clark. It's not a hooker. No. It's not. You're telling me there's not going to be any line out drives this Uh,
3: year. I mean if there was a hooker to do it, probably Samasoni Takihaho, the way he played on the India tour. Or Colsey. But nah, Caleb Clark come back into some rear form and score plenty.
1: What are you most excited about this season, Bryn
2: Me personally? uh yep quick
3: fire though
2: mate just been back on the field haven't played a game in eight months so looking forward to just being back out there
3: and if you couldn't tell Luke Romano for me can't (laughs) wait to see him in a blues jersey
1: (laughs) okay and to round it out week one winners who wins the games let's start with the New Zealand side not conference New Zealand uh, games over here who wins those games
2: Go on, Bryn? No, nah, you go. you go first, job
3: Uh Crusaders and the Chiefs.
2: I'm gonna go the Chiefs, and then obviously just gonna see how it plays out the other game.
1: <laughs> okay, let's run through the other games. I'll just bring it up on my screen. Uh obviously, no more under Pacific V blues, but New South Wales V waratahs Bryn? New South Wales Waratars V P. June Drew, sorry. Can't buy themselves. Nice. Nice. Uh, Waratahs. Waratahs. Reds Rebels. Reds. Brumbies Force.
2: Brumbies. Brumbies. Is that in? Is that in? in or oh, where's that being played? That's
1: at gio Stadium.
2: Yep. Sweet.
1: All right, yeah. Okay. And finally, just to clarify, the winner of Super Rugby? Britain?
2: I'd love to say us, I'd love to say the Crusaders, but the Blues or the Chiefs as well. They are big title contenders as well.
3: As well? Or who are you choosing? <laughs> this is quick fire. Those mate. are my
2: three teams that, I, that I'll be choosing. That's what I'll be choosing.
3: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to play a bit like Brent at the moment and say one of the five New Zealand franchises.
1: Oh. <laughs> this is why people tune in. <laughs> They're looking Jip, for the pickpockets. Of course, playing. I'm. You're <laughs> not the
3: blues. <laughs> call the blues, mate. I just blues,
2: mate. You've got a blues, centurion blues, blues busy out there,
3: mate. If you'd open your ears, i just said of back in the blues. Look what's behind me. <laughs> nice
2: point.
1: Okay, I wouldn't well, be allowed stop. back in there
3: if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But Dalton Papa Lee and the Blues, it is then. So, everyone, please enjoy your first weekend of Super Rugby. All right, there on Sky Sport, and catch all of the reaction on rugbypass.com and all the build up with us as well. So, thanks once again for joining us to start a season three of the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Ross Carl, Bryn Hall, James Parsons, Martywa.